Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops. I'm your host. And today I'm excited to bring you an interview with Nicholas Eric, who is the author of the Ultimate uh, Book Marketing Guide, or Guide, um, there's an Ultimate Guide to Book Marketing. Did I get that backwards? Yeah. There you go. Hold yeah. on. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, welcome to the show, Nicholas. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you. Um, you and I have had, we've been on the show before, your previous guest of the show, because I heard so many good things about you from another guest of the show. Um, Tom Turner was on and he talked about how, how much you had done for his marketing behind the scenes. And since then, uh, I've worked with you personally. We've, we've run some promos together, uh, ran a book launch, and uh, I've kind of seen some of the behind the scenes of what you do. And you have this, you know, amazing marketing uh, research that you've done working for other authors in addition to working for yourself. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you. And uh, now, of course, you have a new book out. So can you tell people a little bit about uh, this book and where it came from? Sure. It, the origin of it is actually <clears throat> way back in the day on keyboards or way back in the Internet day since Internet years are like dog years. Um, about three or four years ago, I started posting these really in-depth guides and it was really just a way for me to organize my own thoughts there was so much good information on the forums back then um, that kind of lived in isolation and other stuff that I was figuring out on my own and um, so I just really used it as a way to organize it and make it useful for myself and other people liked it and since then it's kind of grown over the years and I've gotten this request to put it into ebook form and paperback uh, for a while, and it just took me three or so years or two years uh, to get that all together. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's out, uh, and the print version should be available soonish. I'm working on the formatting since the nonfiction stuff, as anyone who writes nonfiction knows, is a little bit more finicky than just um the novels yeah that makes sense and i'm looking forward to the paperback i'm sure i'll buy the paperback version too just so i can have it on my shelf and refer to it uh, you know it'll probably end up dog-eared and uh well used because it is so nice to have a resource especially a marketing resource where everything is in one place um i've been on your email list for quite a while of course you share an amazing amount of content uh through your marketing emails which i think are, are great if anyone hasn't signed up um, you should definitely check out Nicholas's uh, email list but it's also like sometimes you're right in the middle of something when you get this email and you're like wow this is really useful relevant information but I can't apply it right this second um, you got to come back to it later and I, I get a little pile of emails from you that have, that have all sort of accrued in my inbox that I haven't deleted and haven't opened because so I'm like this one's for later um, but it's, it's so that's why one of the reasons I've been really looking forward to this book myself um, did some of it, was it a lot of it being able to, like, what was your response like? Was the email sort of like a way to test some of these things before you put it in the book? Yeah, um, you know, with the emails, definitely I would say working with other authors over the past year and also doing the newsletters more frequently. They were very infrequent um, up until about 2019. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing it a lot more. And I think that the feedback really helped me shape some of the way I delivered the content and answering either questions that people had um, that I hadn't anticipated or maybe more importantly, like objections, like sometimes with authors and just people in general, you have to 
say, hey, this is why you need to do a certain aspect of marketing because there's reticence, especially among creative types, to sell your work, especially at the beginning Mm -hmm. for some people. And you have to walk them through why this is important, why it's not selling out or any of the other type of negative connotations that sometimes come with the word marketing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's been really helpful. You get people to respond to the emails. You see how they're interpreting the information, what their sticking points are. Mm -hmm. And then you can hopefully make the guide where I can't talk to someone one-on-one. You hopefully make that as applicable as possible to as wide a range of scenarios as you possibly can. Yeah, and it's it's such a good resource too because it is. There are a lot of courses out there on book marketing. I know you've got some mm-hmm. courses for, on uh, pay per click advertising yourself, but not everyone yep. can afford a course right out of the gate, or 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 maybe they're not right in a position to join a course where they are, but they want to kind of get a good overview of everything and understand some of these core principles, which is why I think this this book will be really timely. And it's I know I'm constantly having to try to refer people to places. It's much easier to refer someone to a book than to a course because there's so much more of an investment for people um, on a course where they have to you have to really you know get your stuff together and be ready to take that course timing wise and such. Whereas a book is a pretty easy thing to pick up and then get through at your time. Um, so yeah, 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 especially for authors because we're all readers. You know, right. it's a format that most authors like. So I think that that's right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, the book. And of course, you on the in the subtitle you talk about the eighty twenty rule. Um, mm-hmm. Can you explain for people who aren't familiar with with that term um, what it's all about and how we kind of apply it to our marketing? Definitely, the eighty twenty rule is a principle that was discovered by an Italian economist back, I believe, in the nineteenth century, named Vilfredo. Pareto. So it's actually uh, called the Pareto principle if you look it up in terms of like math texts. But he essentially found that around 20% of the people in Italy owned around 80% of the land. And what's interesting about this principle is that it holds across a wide variety of domains. So the idea is that 20% of the inputs produce 80% or more of the end results and this applies to something like productivity or marketing where 20% of the stuff you're doing is responsible for 80% of the outcome so you want to make sure that you're doing those key things and there's a lot of things that don't end up mattering the math is going to be different depending on the discipline but it's actually a real mathematical principle it's not there's a lot of productivity kind of um scientism bs like where it sounds sciency but it's not real like this is actually a real thing um so it applies it's really important in life in general because obviously we don't have an unlimited amount of time as our most valuable resource and if we focus on the wrong things then we're just not going to get results um so as it applies to book marketing i'd say the core 20 percent is obviously you need a good product. You need to have a good book. It's a very competitive marketplace. That's just the reality. There's a lot of different books out there. So you need a good book. And then you need it to be in a genre that people are looking for. You know, you can write a really good book, but if it's off in its own genre that people 
don't know about, then it's very hard to get visibility. Mm-hmm. And then your cover, your blurb, you need some sources of traffic. I suggest focusing on three. And then your organic newsletter is really what I tend to focus on. And those are the main drivers of the book marketing engine. Okay. Yeah, and I saw that in the book you had um, sort of this, this pyramid strategy. And I thought it was interesting that you put uh, productivity at the bottom and then uh, craft of course was was in there and then marketing was just at the very top and you made a very good point in the book where uh, it's really hard to market a bad product so uh, you'll spend a lot more of your time and energy trying to push a bad product up the charts than a good product so um, you can talk a little bit about the productivity side of that why the productivity part is so important yeah the I think that they're all kind of equal in importance, but you have to get them in the right order. You know, if you're having trouble showing up and writing every day, then that's going to be your first area of attack there. Because, you know, if you don't have content to market, you can't obviously market. And if your craft isn't in place, then it's very difficult for any of the other marketing stuff to have any effect. Um, So... I think productivity is an area where people struggle because you're self-guided when you're an indie author. There's no one looking over your shoulder. There's not really any threat of being fired or any sort of external motivator a lot of the time other than you wanting to do it. Obviously, as your career progresses, maybe you get a deal with a publishing house or you're a hybrid and you have to meet deadlines or your readers are clamoring for a book. So that spurs you on. But especially in the beginning, you're kind of there and you have to finish that first book and then that next book and get everything organized. And there's no real downside, I guess, to it not happening other than it doesn't you know, it doesn't end up happening. But um, without that external motivation, it can be very difficult to get things done. So I think one of the first things people have to learn as like creative entrepreneurs is just how they work best, Mm -hmm. you know, and how they can organize their day and find pockets of time and what their strengths are there and then use those to develop your craft and your marketing yeah. so that you're growing those skills over time. Yeah, because especially like we're saying we have a limited amount of time. There's only one person a lot, a lot of the times doing all these different jobs, publisher job, mm-hmm. in addition to the author job. And, and I think, yeah, mastering your own skill sets and being able to um, figure out how you work is, is so important. One of the uh, quotes I saw in here that I really liked from your book was, you said, while hustling is a staple of entrepreneurial culture, hustling produces negative effects if the core 20% essential to progress is ignored in favor of garbage. And I thought that kind of made me smile because like it's so easy to get distracted by the garbage. Um, there's so many tips and bits of advice out there, uh, especially when it comes to marketing, that you can go down a rabbit hole any given day and chase after some you know, new tactic or strategy. But it may not get you anyway. It may be a massive waste of your time. Yeah, yeah. Like I can give you a couple good examples right now. Um, Like the classic example is changing fonts on your website. You can spend like so much time just like tweaking or like getting the columns right on WordPress. Like that's not really going to matter. You need the website. I would recommend that for all authors. But like 
doesn't have to be super slick. Yeah. And for my nonfiction stuff, I most of my business is done through my website. People either hire me um, for the ads through the website or they sign up and take the course or do the newsletter. But if you look at it right now, I mean, if I'm being blunt about the how it looks, like it doesn't look that great. Like it's pretty, it's like kind of a mess and like it's on the list of things to do, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter that much. If the website looks amazing and the content is terrible, then no one's going to hire me. No one is going to sign up for the course. No one's ever going to open any of my newsletters. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's easy to get that backwards and spend, you know, most of your time making something look amazing or getting it just right, but it's not the thing that the actual consumer wants. Right. You know? Yeah. At the end of the day, we want to know that we're going to get results. And uh, yeah, if, if the website's serving its basic function, then yeah, I, I understand that completely. Um, one of the other things that you bring up a lot in the book or um, as sort of like a basic principle is the idea of just going ahead and doing something now as opposed to just accruing a bunch of notes on things to do later. And this is something that I know I am guilty of all the time, is I'll consume massive amounts of uh, podcasts and read craft books and have all these ideas, but they're just stockpiled over here waiting for me to have the time to do something with them. Whereas you advise against that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, this was just born out of when I was like, when I got out of college, I just started reading a lot. Basically, my parents had bought me a bunch of books over the years like that I hadn't read like during college. So I just like started reading those um, and that grew into a habit. So at this point, I've probably, you know, read 500, 600 nonfiction books over the past decade. Um, and that sounds whatever like you know a lot and it's like wow there's so much information here the problem was like i used to take notes and i still do but i kept those notes kind of like as an archive and then probably in my mid-20s to late 20s i really started testing all these kind of like pieces of information that i thought were great and sounded great Mm -hmm. and i found that most of them were bs Mm -hmm. like it was something that the author had gotten from another source that sounded good and that person hadn't tested like it's like kind of like a game of telephone or something where people just keep passing stuff along and it gets worse over time you know as it's transmitted and the original person didn't test it so by the time it gets to you it's like totally terrible mm-hmm. um but basically what i found is that most people don't test what they put in the books and what they put in the courses and all this type of stuff um so i come up with ideas a lot for content in the course or content in the book but most of it didn't make it into the book because when you actually test it in the real world it's either kind of like random or it just didn't work and that was kind of why it took so long um for the book to come out just because you know i had to actually test this stuff so that's why i recommend with the notes you know and this goes for the book as well like you know implement it and if it doesn't work throw it out but um don't it's it's kind of comforting to have this long list of notes and be like oh i can implement this when i'm ready you know and it's going to be it's going to work it's going to be fine you know but really, you might only have one thing there out of like 
30 pages of notes that works <laughs> like it's not it's not a high ratio unfortunately um you know so the faster you can test the ideas the faster you can not only find what works but also what works for you which is a smaller subset of what works because you need to match what you're doing to your personality mm-hmm. and skill set as well and of course your genre obviously makes a big mm-hmm. difference in terms of what your market is and things like that uh, Absolutely. So I see lots of authors watching. I see Cecilia Mech is watching. Um, Amanda Bird's watching. Uh, Joe Solari is watching. So, yeah, hi, guys. Uh, it's good to see some previous guests of the show on there. I see Chrissy's watching. I see Andrea's watching. So, yeah, if you any of you all have um, questions for Nicholas about the, the book and about, or about marketing in general, um, feel free to throw some up, um, anything that you might be struggling with in the book marketing department. We can I'll certainly try to answer some questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this is this is. Um, you talked a lot about the idea of adapting, of course, in the in the book and having to, to be able to um, test it, it, what's working. Of course, what are some of your strategies when it comes to um, figuring out how to test what works for you? Say, I've gotten some new marketing bit of advice. I want to go test it. What are some some examples of some things that we can actually implement? Um, so testing like kind of principles. Yeah, how I approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, if it's something that's low risk and low time, like I'm going to try to test it immediately. And I kind of sort through it by does it not cost that much in terms of time and money? And is it high upside? Um, And I'm okay if it costs more money. Um, It depends on where you are in your career. Like, but that's essentially my framework. Is this going to actually move? There's a lot of stuff that kind of works, but it might take a huge amount of time to do. So ultimately, um, the opportunity cost, which means, you know, like if I spend one hour and make one dollar when I could have spent one hour and made a thousand dollars, then I essentially cost myself nine hundred ninety nine dollars by doing option A, you know, so that's how I try to sort it out. Um, obviously it's imperfect. Like you don't know going in, as I said before, a lot of stuff sounds good. Um, and there's plenty of stuff even now, eight years in or whatever, uh, close to eight years in, like there's plenty of stuff where I'm like, wow, that's, that's going to be a game changer. And then I test it. I'm like, no, that was that (laughs) I will never use this again. You know, obviously through all this testing, you have to have come down to some core things that are pretty fundamental for everyone's author business. Um, that work the majority of the time. Can you give uh, people some of your core principles of marketing that you've discovered? Yeah, I'd say um, publish good books, obviously. Mm -hmm. Publish them frequently enough where your audience is, you can grow it over time. Probably a book a year is not enough. You're probably looking at three to four minimum in most genres. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to go to 12 books a year, but um, probably three to four. I would say two would be probably the minimum there. That's that's one of the most important things. Um, and that's probably 50% of your success, just production of good books. Um, and then I would say really like another 40% is going to be your cover and your blurb. You know, you need those to be really, really on point and not just from a design perspective, but more from a packaging perspective. You need to be able to signal the genre at an instant glance. And 
Um, in certain genres, you can signal the genre, but the competition level is higher. Um, it's it's hard to explain, but say in romance, you can hit the correct tropes and stuff. But if you look at what's in the top 100 in romance, there's kind of just like a certain subtle flavor to those covers that they're a little bit better. They're a little bit better designed. They're, they, they're a little bit more interesting to the perspective reader than the stuff that doesn't quite make it up there. And you can really um enhance how your book does if you take the time to figure that stuff out and it's hard branding is really hard that's one area where i struggle with but if you can covers over time and improve like what your understanding of your market is you know and what they're looking for that's huge um you know the blurb is something that you can work on without spending money so that's a nice area if you're um you know if your budget is more limited and then the the other pieces are you need some traffic to the page. But I think that what people mistake with Facebook ads or BookBub ads or any sort of advertising is you need that product in place. You know, you need the cover blurb and uh, the good book, you know. And generally speaking, you need a series if you're going to be running heavy advertising. So those can really magnify what's there and amplify the results. But... 20 times zero is zero, you know, like it doesn't matter if you get a ton of traffic to the page and your book description and your cover and the product are just decent. Like that's not going to really cut it Mm -hmm. in the marketplace. Um, I don't know how many books there are out there. There are so many at this point. It's really a reader's market. Um, And I think that's to me, that's freeing as an author. Like it's not intimidating because it means, okay, if I'm not successful now, it's because there's so much competition. It doesn't mean that I suck. It just means that I need to work on things mm-hmm. a bit more, you know, like it's just, it's just hard. Yeah. And, um, but that's okay. You can get better at that type of stuff, but you know, that's probably what I would focus on. The other core piece is the newsletter. Um, I tend to focus on organic newsletter building meaning people who sign up from the front and back matter of the books. Um, I find that those people buy the books at a much higher rate. The engagement rate is really good. Um, And those tend to be your best fans. Certainly you can use things like book funnel, story origin. Those are helpful, especially when you're starting out. Mm -hmm. But um, you can get deceived by big numbers there. Uh, you can have 12,000 people on your list that came from uh, cross-promo swaps and things like that, and they don't really move the needle on launch day, um, whereas usually the people who sign up to hear about updates from you specifically mm-hmm. are more, much more likely to buy the books. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I see some more uh, previous guests of the show are on here. Pippa is watching. Becca Simon is watching. We were just talking about you prior to the show, uh, Becca, about uh, finding our strengths. It's been a big thing. It's just part of this for me is one of the reasons I love this book is it's helping me focus on my strengths in when it comes to marketing. And I know that like email, for example, an organic email is one of those things that I've been turning around and focusing on too. Um, but it's not necessarily a strength of mine, but it's something I'm working hard to make a strength um, because it is so fundamental and, and a core part of this business. Um, you talk also in the book about, of course, just some business fundamentals. Of course, we need to treat this author business 
uh, this job like a business uh, and writing as a business, uh, what are some of the things you can talk about when it comes to just sort of like the business fundamentals? I know you mentioned uh, at least four different things in there that people should be uh, worried about. Yeah, um, I would say the number one thing is focus on net profit. Um, this may not be real realistic when you're starting out. Like generally speaking, you're not going to be profitable with your first few books. You're going to have editing costs. You're going to have all sorts of other things. You're learning the business. Mm -hmm. um, it's really an investment. But as you progress, I would say that net profit is really key. Um, also, don't charge a bunch of money to your credit cards. Mm -hmm. um, I know that the holy grail is going full time, mm -hmm. but honestly, it's a lot less stressful a lot of the time to have a part-time job or a full-time job and be able to write on the side um, because it frees you from these money concerns. One thing that I've found over the past year is that I do a significant amount of client work and stuff on the nonfiction side. And one of the ways that I was getting kind of frozen up with my fiction books is that I was like sitting down to write them and I was like, this has to work, this has to sell. How can I make sure that this is going to resonate where like my previous book didn't hit the market exactly right. And that's not useful from a marketing side and it's not useful from just a writing productivity side. It's really hard to be in that position. Every dollar you're spending is so difficult to like, you know, there's this emotional attachment to it. You're like, this has to work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a tough position to be in. So I, I would recommend, you know, use your day job to your advantage like see it as a strength rather than a weakness um and definitely don't rack up a bunch of credit card debt that's really important um the other thing is when you're uh, a solo entrepreneur you want to calculate what i call the monthly burn which is how much money you essentially need to pay all your bills every month so stuff like your mortgage or rent health insurance which you shouldn't self-insure you need to, if you're in the U.S., you need health insurance, really. Um, so make sure you have stuff like that. Food, um, kids' tuition, car payments, all that type of stuff factors in. Um, and once you have that number, let's say it's like, um, you know, mine's like 3600 about between everything. Um, that includes all the services I have to use to run my business, everything, rent, um, then I know that I have to make more than 3600 a month to essentially pay for everything, which is really useful. Um, I have an exact kind of target, and it's not like you can say I'm making 3600 mm -hmm. this month, but you know like when you're going to come up short and when you need to save and how you can kind of like allocate your money mm -hmm. if you have that metric. So that only takes about half an hour to sit down and do it might take you like 10 minutes if you have all your bank statements and everything mm -hmm. well organized but that's really alleviates a ton of stress just knowing what that is and also if you're trying to go full-time then you know how much you need to make um to replace your income and one other thing if you're going full-time um the self-employment taxes in the united states tend to be higher mm -hmm. than if you're working for uh, an employer. Also, obviously, you have to pay your health insurance. So, if you're making a hundred grand at your job, that's not the same as a hundred grand indie or whatever. You know, like 
the take home isn't yeah. the same. So you need to factor that in, certainly. Yeah, I know um, Joe Solari, who was watching, we, I think we talked when he was on the show about you know some of those business principles. And taxes is a big part of it. And of course, it's tax season right now. I'm going in for my appointment. Um, yeah. LLCs are due, um, I want to say, on the 15th, March 15th, I want to say. So real, real soon. Um, so, Four days. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's one of those things. It's like, you know, especially like if you're an LLC, you know, sometimes you can pay yourself on a W-2 or something like that so that you can bring down some of those extra costs, your Social Security, Medicare costs that you pay on the employer side. Because a lot mm-hmm. of people don't expect that, oh, wait, you're self-employed? So, yeah, you've got to pay the employer side of your of your health insurance, all this other stuff that you would normally have an employer take care of for you. And that's some of those things that are a shock when you first go self-employed and think, oh, wait, I've got to do what now? And um, so I, I think it's definitely important to yeah, not just figure out your expenses, how they are now, but how you how your expenses will be if you are uh, full-time self-employed. And um, I know uh, David Goggin was on the Wish I'd Known Then podcast the other day talking about this, um, about that big leap too. And a lot of, I, I'm starting to hear a little bit more. And we talked about it on, on this show a few episodes ago. Um, and I talked about it on, on uh, Wish I'd Known Then podcast as well, about some of the benefits of part-time. And that's one of those things that people don't really hear that much about. And I think it needs to be broadcasted a little bit more because like you said, sometimes we, we do have this golden grail kind of image of, of being a full-time author. But it may not be the best business decision uh, for a while uh, if you can make it work. And I know personally, my productivity goes up on days when I'm actually working at a different job and doing this job simultaneously. I'm just in the mode more. Um, but yeah, I know that's that's just you know really solid business advice, of course. Um, you you mentioned yeah, no, I'm sorry. One thing uh, since my uh, it's tax season, so one of my good friends is an accountant, and I hear him. Um, he owns his own tax like uh, or accounting firm, so he's like you know it's it's really intense. So I hear him you know like uh, complain about the workload, like he's just working all the time. But one thing that works in your favor as a client, accountants don't tend to charge by hour. So if you have a tax return that costs you three or four hundred dollars a year, most of them include year-round tax advice in that, and they also offer free consultations. So it may be a little bit more if you have a business tax return, but generally you can ask them questions. Mm-hmm. So even if you're doing something via TurboTax or something like that, it's probably worth spending the extra couple hundred bucks just that advice. Yeah. Um, and you can just ask them straight up, and it can literally save you thousands of dollars if they're like hey you want to structure your business this way as an llc or a c corp or whatever the case may be or you want to do your payroll this way like there's stuff that you don't want to google it because probably half the information is wrong it varies by state you know um it's going to obviously vary by country significantly so use that to your advantage you can get lots of really good inexpensive advice that has an immense amount of upside yeah i mean sometimes it's just simple things i know last year my accountant sat down with me and was like okay well i see you changed some of your schedule here you're doing a little bit more more days writing and less days uh, on the aviation side he's like so um why is your salary still the same from last year you know, like on this like you're working less time over there as an employee you shouldn't be paying yourself as much and i'm like oh that makes total sense like i've got you got to get paid for the amount of hours you're there like why am i still you know and sometimes just the act of sitting down and having that conversation you know, save me money. Um, just because, you know, like you said, it, it's so worth it to have a professional 
uh, bring up things that we're not all accountants, so we don't have time to be accountants and figure all this stuff out. Um, so that's great advice. That's a good tip about uh, using them all year round, especially if you've already paid for it. Um, you mentioned in, in the book you have, you have a, uh, something called the trifecta of success. Mm -hmm. um, can you explain what that is? Yeah, we touched on that earlier with the um, productivity pyramid. Mm, yeah. So it's the uh, productivity at the bottom, craft in the middle, and then it's going to be marketing at the top. Mm -hmm. So productivity being the base of the pyramid, if you can't get words done or execute, you know that's the first step really. And I think that that is probably the thing that stops most people, not just in indie publishing, but just in general from getting what they want. Um, the key here is to really play to your strengths and also accept what you're willing to adhere to. Um, here's an example, not from marketing, but from working out. Optimally, you probably want to do like three to four sets of an exercise or something like that to get that volume in. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you want to do more exercises. The way I structure my exercises, I do two. Because if I do three, I don't do it. And it's not an issue of um, going to the gym or anything like that. That's another thing I don't do. I just have like all the stuff here. Yeah. Um, but by doing three, like the argument that I have in my mind is like, oh, I don't want to get started. This is going to take me X amount of time. I'm going to be bored, all this type of stuff. So like I don't do it. It's like I do the one and then I'm halfway finished. Um, yeah. And this sounds so silly. But it's really kind of, I think, the actual secret to productivity, if it if there is one. It's kind of like if you have a dog or I don't have kids, but I would assume like getting coaxing a child into, you know, going to bed or something. You have to kind of negotiate with yourself um, and be real about what you're willing to do and what you're not. So if it's 90 percent of optimal, then that's better than doing nothing like right, that's yeah. way better than doing nothing and over time you're going to beat most of the people who are doing whatever is quote-unquote optimal because you'll be able to actually show up and that's really what's important being able to do this for you know a long time people want to think like oh this launch is going to make or break me even if you make a hundred grand on a launch that's awesome but over 10 years that's only ten thousand dollars a year if you don't do anything else or you're not building up over time and really the goal is especially if you want to be a full-time author you're going to probably be doing this for 30 40 years you know even if you're let's say you're 60 and you think that you got in the game late you still have 20 25 30 really good years of writing potentially ahead of you you know so um i think by going slow and also admitting what you're not going to do under any circumstances like and just accepting that i think that those counterintuitively make you progress way faster than all these like crazy challenges and everything yeah. everybody you know on the internet says you should be doing yeah no i i agree and i liked in the book you mentioned that this is your consistency is not just measured by you know writing every day but it's by it's by years it's not um, it's not short term, this is a long term game that we're playing and we have to kind of settle in for the long haul and think think um, in terms of long term. And I like that approach too because I mean, I've been doing this for years but I still feel like I'm, I'm just starting out in some ways. There's always something new to learn. 
but I'm still here. So um, right. it's encouraging to, to hear other people kind of look at it that way and have these big picture views. Um, so for for people, where should people find this book? Um, where can people find more information about you and your marketing strategies and uh, you know, if they want to follow up with us? The book's available on Amazon. Um, I'm working on getting it out in paperback, which I've been working on for the past month. Um, so hopefully soon. People have asked me about other retailers. I have to see um, if I can wrangle the links correctly since it has some links to Amazon in it that aren't sales links. They're just like to the charts and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that um, I should be able to – a couple people have sent me workarounds. Um, so I hopefully will get that sorted out and I hope to have it available elsewhere. Um, and then the site is Nicholas Eric and that's N I C H O L A S and then Eric with a K dot com. Yeah. But, you know, it's like I said, you've got a great newsletter. I think it's fantastic information that you put out all the time. Like I said, I've worked with you personally and, and have learned a lot from that experience. And uh, I'm really enjoying this book, so I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, the ultimate guide to book marketing. So if you guys are looking for a one-stop shop for all kinds of marketing advice, and uh, if you or if you have something you want to recommend to people, where they can dip their toe in the water and see what this is all about without having to jump into a, a major course or something right out of the gate, um, I think this is going to be an amazing resource uh, for people. So I really appreciate you taking the years of time it took to to put this thing together. Yeah, well, I mean, thanks for having me on, and I appreciate all the kind words about the book. It yeah. means a lot. And Cecilia says, I agree, I love the newsletter. So another satisfied uh, newsletter subscriber right there. Watching. Awesome, Cecilia, thanks. So, all right, yeah, thank you all for, for watching and for, and for listening. Um, Nicholas, you know, it's always happy to have you on the show. Hope to have you on again in the future. And um, we'll look forward to seeing everybody again next week for another episode. So long. Yeah, definitely. See ya.